You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. about site night coming up uh, Thursday night. Um, we have uh, the, uh, our director uh, from uh, Togo is going to be here, Mesa, and um, she'll uh, have a little time to uh, share with you guys. I don't think it's going to be next Sunday, but I think the following Sunday or maybe the Sunday after that. But while she's here, she's gonna, we'll, we'll get a chance to hear her speak. She's, she'll be there. Um, we've got a guy on the ground uh, now in Togo that is a great um, videographer. I don't know if you've seen, if you go to the website or if you go to the Facebook page, you'll be able to see some of his work. Um, and so I'm really excited about seeing what, what he might have uh, contributed to Sight Night uh, as well. <coughs> and so uh, just come, we'll have a great time and uh, be inspired and get to know a little bit more about the, the ministry. Um, also, I uh, wanted to give you a little heads up. Next week, um, uh, Brother Bill uh, Fowler is going to be uh, speaking here. He's coming to Texas uh, for about a week, and uh, so he's going to be speaking. Uh, Bill is the guy that discipled um, Becky and I uh, when we first got saved, and I've told uh, his story so many times that um, you probably feel like you know him already, uh, but I'm real excited about him being here uh, also next week. Uh, next Sunday. So, and it's good to have Cal and Connie with us today. <laughs> kind of an unexpected uh, return home uh, because uh, Connie is getting her, um, her citizenship. She is, she already did. So good, so good to see you guys. Um, so I'm, I'm completing a uh, series today that was uh, kind of birthed out of uh, reading uh, in Joshua uh, chapter 4, and uh, I started by talking about how um, obedience uh, is connected to power, and that uh, obedience unlocks power in our lives, um, and that I was relating to the story of uh, Joshua uh, crossing the Jordan to come into the promised land. There were two times that, that God split a big body of water um, for Israel to go through. One was to get them out of Egypt, and the second one was to get them into the promised land. And, um, and that water did not divide. The, the uh, Jordan didn't divide until the priests actually stepped into the water. And when they stepped into the water in obedience, then they saw the power of God. Um, and then uh, last week, uh, we talked about... Uh, what did we talk about last week? Does anybody remember? Anybody got any notes? You could Google it while you're... Consistency powers vision. We talked about how important it is to have a consistent walk with the Lord and how that will con contribute to our being able to see what God is, is doing and where God has taken us and also having a personal um, vision for what God has for you and where God is, is taking you. And so today I want to talk about the, um, kind of the way to, uh, to finish that. Um, and that, I'm talking about endurance, um, secures uh, victory. Now, if we're talking about Joshua coming into the promised land, unfortunately, uh, the story doesn't end well, right? Because they come into the promised land, and God is so faithful, man. They're fighting the battles, and they're, the enemy is, is running from them. Um, Israel, when they saw the promised land, they said, 
um, you know, it's a land flow, flowing with milk and honey. They came out with, you know, grapes dragging the ground on a, uh, that, that they were carrying. So many, so, so heavy was the, um, was the fruit of, uh, of the land and the pro productivity of the land. Um, but they also saw giants and they said, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And uh, they were afraid to go in. So that's why that generation pe perished in the wilderness. Um, but the next generation that God raised up were going to go in and take the land. Unfortunately, they, everywhere they went, God was faithful. Their enemies were, were scared of them, frightened to death of Israel. Not of Israel, but of the God of Israel. Um, and they understood that. And, but Israel got to a certain place and they stopped. They didn't continue to take the land. Even uh, when you see uh, in, with David and Saul... A lot of those battles were defensive battles. They weren't offensive battles. They weren't going out and trying to take the promised land that God had given them. And um, so they, they didn't, it didn't end well. They didn't endure in the vision that God had give, given them. So today I want to talk about endurance and how do we have endurance? How do we run the race uh, with endurance so that we will see the final uh, victory? Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 uh, through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. God is intending for us to finish this thing strongly. So how do we run with endurance? What, what contributes to endurance um, in our lives? How do we, like, you know, when I was growing up, when I was younger, not just when I was growing up, I thought that people got better as they got older. I really did. I thought that people would just, you know, they would be what they were and they would just grow and continue to get better and stuff like that. And I have not seen that that's always true. There are some people that don't get better when they get older. Right? So what's the difference between somebody who grows stronger and becomes more effective and, and that God uses more and people who just peter out, just, you know, fade away, um, start off strong and wind up, you know, falling away. Um, it does not have to be that way. And I don't think that God intends for it to be that way. Today I'm talking to everybody, but I'm particularly talking to people my age or a little bit younger than them. Maybe if you're in your... Well, there's some of us that are old for our age, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm talking to you. <laughs> so, but if you're, you know, if you're just starting out, this is, this is a goal for you. You will do some things today that will contribute to a long-lasting walk with the Lord that just gets stronger and stronger. But if you're walking with the Lord today and you've been walking with the Lord for 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years, I'm particularly talking to you today. Because, listen, the devil is not afraid of you and he doesn't feel sorry for you. I used to tell, when I ministered in the nursing home, I used to tell them this all the time. The devil doesn't feel sorry for you because you're old and most of your people are, you know, gone to be with the Lord. He's not going to look at you and say, oh man, they're just, they're tired, you know, they're, they've had enough, you know, they've lived their life, I'll just leave them alone. No, man, he's looking, always looking for an opportunity. 
He, he is picking on people that are weak or that are discouraged or that are down. He's always looking for that opportunity. And that's why, if, whether you're in the nursing home or whether you're you know, a couple of steps from it, we have to have our heart in the right place and we have to have our vision and our focus in the right place. So what contributes to endurance? Endurance comes from these five things. This is not an exhaustive list, obviously, uh, but this is what the Lord laid on my heart to share with you today. Endurance comes from focus. That's when uh, in Hebrews it says focusing, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The second is redeeming the time. The third one is uh, stirring up your gifts. The fourth is being a link in the chain, and I'll explain that. And the fi final one is eyeing the finish line. So let's, let's dive into this today. First is focus. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, it says, Let us run with endurance. <clears throat> well, let me, let me start, just back up a little bit. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are these witnesses, do you think? Say it again. People that have gone before, but it's also the people that are around you right now, and it's also your kids, and it's also the, the younger generation who's looking at, at us. We're surrounded by witnesses. God puts us on a pedestal. He, he, he says, you're the light of the world, and when you light a lamp, you don't put it under a bushel. You put it out there so everybody can see. So that's a, you know, that's a responsibility. It's, a, it's an honor, but it's also a responsibility. That people are, are, are watching us. Billy Graham says when somebody steps forth in courage, it stiffens the spine of th those that are around them. When one person takes that step of courage and faith, when one person is consistent in their walk with the Lord, it strengthens them that are around them. But I'll tell you what, man, there is a spiritual witness that is watching us at all times. And I'm talking about good and evil. I'm talking about the host of heaven, and I'm also talking about the host of hell. And they are watching us all the time. God wants to demonstrate his power in our lives so that everybody seeing it is going to give glory to God, not give glory to us. That's a spiritual principle. We are surrounded by such a great uh, cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now watch this. It says... Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Focus. We focus, if we're fo focused on our circumstances, we will become discouraged. Or we'll have some kind of false pride or something like that. But if we're focusing on Jesus consistently, we will be walking more and more like him. He will be working his life and his character into us more and more. Fill your heart with that. Don't get your eyes on your, on your problems. Get your eyes on the solution to your problems. Get your eyes on the power that is going to bring you through that. And it's a real temptation to do that, to get our focus on so many other things. Just beginning with looking in the mirror, you know? Sometimes that's, you know, that's what we're doing. We're looking at ourselves instead of looking at the Lord. Focus outside of yourself Focus on him. And, it's, and then it gives a description of him. It says, focusing our, fixing our eyes on Jesus, it says the author and the finisher of our faith. I like that. It says he's the author of it. That means he initiated it. He started it. He began writing that epistle on your heart. He began by putting his word in, in your life. He's the author, and, but he's also the finisher. 
And finished work is as important as the foundation work. Is it not? Have you ever seen a house that doesn't have any finished work in it? No trim, no baseboards, no, you know, anything like that. It feels like it's just, you know, it doesn't feel right, right? And he is a good finisher. As good as he is at starting something, he who began a good work in you is going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm not pumping you up. I'm just telling you the truth. He is a good finisher. What he begins, he finishes. And he takes great care to make sure that he brings us all the way in and all the way through. He's the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the, what was, that was set before him? What joy was that? What, what, what compelling joy did he see that caused him in the garden to say, not my will, but your will be done? What was the, there was something there that he was looking at. He was, the, the cross was not the end in itself. The cross was not, that was the reason why he came, but he didn't come to stay on the cross. What did he see? He saw heaven, and he knows, he knew that personally. Because he had come from there, and he knew where he was going. That's where he was going. And there was only one way to get there. And it was to go through the cross. He also saw you. He also saw a people who he, had, he was going to purchase with his blood. That that blessing was not just that he gets to go to heaven, but that he leads captivity captive. He saw you. That's an amazing thing, that the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with, with us. And not only that, but the only way to have that, truly have that, is through great suffering. And he willingly said yes. He willingly said yes. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So what does that mean for us? If we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. What does that mean for us? It means this, that same joy is set before us. And that same joy is the thing that compels us to do what we do now and to not grow weary in well-doing and to not give up and to not quit. Man, I'm pumped up today. (laughs) We should be. You know, I mean, a lot of fairy tales end with they they lived happily ever after. And you read a fairy tale and you're just like, man, I wish it could be that way. It is that way. It is. It's not a fairy tale. It is. We're going to live happily ever after. And these small afflictions that we're experiencing now are going to pass away. But the joy that we get is never going to pass away. It will never be taken from us. Never. Where does endurance come from? It comes from focusing on Jesus. And while you're focusing on him, you're seeing him focus on one thing. And he says, that's what I have for you as well. Today may be hell on earth. Today may be great. Maybe maybe one of your best days on earth. But it's nothing compared to where we're going. No matter where you are, your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you because glory is ahead of you. And that gives us endurance. We focus on Him, and He focuses on joy. 
Second one is redeeming the time. And this is uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. It says, uh, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of or redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Every, every day is precious. Every day is precious. Every single day. Your best days and your worst days are days. They're days, and you have days and you have a limited number of them. Thank God we don't know what the n total number is. That would be a horrible way to live, wouldn't it? We'd spend our whole lives counting down. Thank God we can't see that. But we have a limited number of days. And they're precious because they, they're going away. Because you're not going to get them again. That's the worst thing about addictions. Is the time that it wastes. The time when you could be a mom or a dad to your kids. The time that you could be productive. You're, spend, you're wasting on something that is death. That's the worst part of it. That's the worst part of pride. Pride makes you think you're God or you're in control and you waste so much of your effort and so much of your energy on things that don't matter. When I used to minister at the nursing home, man, it was like some of those people are just like, you know, they, they wish that they could have had back the time that they had before but you know what if you could go back to when you were 17 or if you could go back to when you were 20 or 25 or 30 or or, or whatever if you could go back there you'd still just have a 24-hour period of time that day is just like this day there's no difference it's a day to be alive it's a day to serve the lord it's a day to be an object of his affection it's a day to witness his power in in action Every single one of them, they're precious because they pass away. There's a reason why um, Alcoholics Anonymous says, it tells people one day at a time because that's the most powerful way to live. That's the only real way to live is one day at a time. And just that concept breaks bondage. Are you with me? Just that concept, just getting a grip on that. All I'm doing is focusing on today. I can't control anything beyond that. But if I control this, I can assure myself of an ultimate victory. You know, Jesus said that every hair of your head is numbered. Didn't he say that? Do you know how many hairs you have on your head? You don't even know. And what's the big deal with hair anyway? It's because each one of those is precious to him. You are precious to him, and he knows you so well that he knows every one of the hairs on your head. And they're precious because they're passing away. Right? If you're like me, you know, you get that little spot in the middle of the back of your head and it just kind of gets bigger and bigger. You never see a picture of yourself from behind. And when you do, you're just like whoa right and jesus is like yeah i knew that i knew how many you had you got less today than you had then all it's saying is that you are precious to him and those hairs on your head are precious because they pass away because they're here and then they're gone and when they're gone they're gone it's really important for us to see it the way god sees it 
How, a God that is eternal in nature. A, a God that is not confined by time or space like we are, and yet he, is the, he has the perfect timing. And he knows. Jesus, when he walked the earth, at the beginning of his ministry, he said, my hour has not yet come. Remember when Mary asked him to do the miracle at Cana? She, he said, my hour has not yet come. He's really sensitive to the days that he lived in. And then as he approached Jerusalem, as he came into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, we call it, right? What other king on the face of the earth has ever had that kind of a triumphal entry? Riding on a donkey, right? That, you can't make that look like great. <laughs> that just looks like a comedy. I, I just, but what was he doing? He was showing his humility, he wasn't in a chariot or a big war horse or anything like that. He's on a little donkey coming into Jerusalem. And as he's coming into Jerusalem, he said, my hour has come. And he said, what am I going to say? Deliver me from this hour? He knew where, where he was going. He'd already told him that. He said, no, nope, this is the reason why I was born. That's when he showed the, the glory of God in, in human form greater than at any other time that he did is when he came into Jerusalem and willingly submitted himself, willingly turned himself over to those who would, who would crucify him, torture him and crucify him. That was his hour. He knew the day that he lived. Do you know the days and the seasons that you live in? Do you understand how important this moment is in time? This day. Or are you already worried about tomorrow? already worried about the week to come or do you realize that today as we gather in his name and he is here in our midst that this this is the hour this is your time don't overlook it don't take it for granted i know i'm getting to be an old codger because every time i see a, a family with little kids the one thing that i want to say to them is it doesn't last very long it doesn't last very long. And this, at this stage where they can't walk and they, they can't talk, it passes away so quickly. God, give us the ability to understand the times that we live in. God, give us the ability to take full advantage of this day that we have. If you'll do that, you'll run with endurance. If you will do, live every day that way, you will have endurance. Because you're not, you're not being held back by the past and you're not being afraid of the future. You're just right in the moment, right in the zone, right in your lane. The next one is to stir up the gifts that are within you. And I'm particularly talking to people who've been walking with the Lord for a while. But this is true of everybody. This is true of everybody. You don't know your full potential. You have not attained your full potential. You are not done. He wants you to, just like you have discovered your gifts maybe and you have used your gifts, he wants you to use them in new ways. He wants you, he, he wants you to experience things that you've never experienced before. He wants to use you in ways that he has never used you before. When my dad retired, retired from... Um, he, the, he ultimately retired from Linux. He had worked for uh, General Electric uh, and then trained here um, for many years. And when he retired, um, 
I told him, man, you ought to go to TJC and just offer yourself in, in a, you know, one of their labs or something like that just to come in and talk to them about refrigeration. He'd spent his whole life doing that. I don't know if people even do that or not, but what a gift it is for somebody that has lived their life doing one thing to turn around and let that knowledge be available to people free of charge. Just, just put it out there. Just make yourself available. Just take a step to, to use the gifts that God has put in your life. Listen, to continue to develop those things. To continue to develop those things. And put it out there for God to use. Here's what Paul says to, to Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Um, the King James says to, to uh, stir up the gift of God that is within you. And the image of that is like a, a, an old fire that's just covered with ashes and, and the embers are in there. And you take a poker and you just stir it up. You know how that is? And it gets hot again. And it's like, it's, it's like a brand new fire. And that's what, that's what Paul is telling Timothy. I'm, I want to remind you um, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. There's a whole sermon in that. Why those three words? Power and what? Love and, and what's self-control doing in there? You know, that would be a good sermon. Let's put a bookmark in that and come back to that. But I guarantee you, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you have learned either the hard way or the easy way, self-control. Because you don't last if you don't have it. You don't, you don't, you don't last. You don't, you don't succeed without it. This is where endurance comes from. It's stirring up those gifts um, that God has put in you. Being a link in the chain. Here's what I'm talking about here. I read something recently that said that every one of us should be discipling somebody and should be being discipled by somebody. And maybe these are not just one person, but it's, that's the flow that is in our lives, is that we are walking maybe a couple of steps ahead. That's what being a mentor is. A mentor isn't somebody that just gives a bunch of advice. A mentor is somebody that walks with somebody, somebody that's been a little bit further down the road uh, than they have, that they can, they can talk to, that they can confide in, that they can get wisdom from. You know how it is? Like you grow up and you can't see your parents for who they are. They're your parents, right? And then you get out of the house and you start, especially if you get married and start raising kids, then you start saying maybe they weren't like, you know, all wrong, right? Maybe they had a little bit of, you know, something going on there, and they become a resource to you. And that's what, that's what we, we have to have that in our lives. We have to have people that are a little bit further down the road than we are, even if you're a long ways down the road yourself. There's people that you need in your life that can help you to stay consistent, to run the race with endurance. Those relationships that give you, you know, the wisdom and the, uh, and the, the insight uh, from their own experiences, but also those people that can keep you accountable, that can say to you, you can do better than this. We all need that. Again, when I was younger, I thought, 
that you just got, you automatically got better as you got older, but you don't. You've got to make an effort. You've got to take some steps. You've got to have some things present in your life. And part of that is having that accountability and having that, that wisdom coming in from, from generations before you. And part of it is also pouring out to others. Like when I first started doing guitar lessons, I realized that most of what I did, I did instinctively. I had learned it, and I didn't even know what I was doing. So I had to stop and slow down my finger picking and say, how am I doing that? So that I could teach somebody else. It helped me to understand what I was doing. I was more intentional about it. And that's the way it is in the scriptures too, man. When you start reading the word from the standpoint of wanting to teach, it's a whole different thing than just reading the word just to apply it to your own life. How do we apply this to other people? How do we help other people grow in their relationship with the Lord? So stir up your gifts. Be a link in the chain. And then finally, keep the goal in mind. Eyeing the finish line. We live, as Michael was saying, in perilous times. You may not feel the heat, but there is growing resistance, not just to religion, but to Christianity. There is growing resistance, there is growing hostility to who we are and what we do. It's, it's, not, it's not hard to understand what Jesus is talking about. In, in Matthew chapter 24... He's talking about what we call the apostasy or the, or the falling away, the great falling away. And I've been reading these scriptures since I was first a believer. Um, when I came to the Lord in about 1980, it was an election year. It was the year that Ronald Reagan was elected. And I remember him, when he got elected, I remember on election day thinking, well, that's great, but he'll never serve out his term because Jesus is coming back. And that was the way a lot of us felt a lot of us felt like it was imminent. Like, it, like the way that things were going, it could not be much longer till Jesus came back. If he came back to judge the earth today, we would have absolutely no excuse. There's no reason why we could say to him, look, you know, put it off another year or another two years. When Jesus is talking about this, he is talking about the great falling away and he is also talking about persecution. And he gives us this promise he says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's a principle. That he sees us through the things in our life. And right when we're ready to give up, and right when we look at it and we say, I can't do this anymore, he says, endure till the end. If you're not living your life in a way that has the end in mind today, you are in trouble. Because we're going to go through some tough times. We're going to go through some tough times. And we have to know that Jesus has already seen that ahead of time. He already knows. And not only that, he hadn't kept it a secret. He's told us what to expect. And you hear in the, in the Bible when they talk about the, um, the day of the Lord. What is that day of the Lord? What does that mean? The day of the Lord, most of the time when the Bible is talking about it, is apparently the day when Jesus returns and judges the earth, judges the world. If you're not comfortable with judgment, you should get comfortable with it because that's ultimately what's going to happen. And he promises us that. 
for us, it's the beginning of the best thing that could ever happen to us. But to those who have turned their back on God, who have rejected God, who have said they want nothing to do with God, who have, said, who have done, uh, uh, done the ultimate and saying, I don't believe in God, even though His handiwork's all around us, even though we've got, there, there's a great cloud of witnesses and a great source of evidence that says that God is real and that He does live and he's, He has great power at His disposal. The people that have cut themselves out from the grace of God, it's going to be the worst day that they could possibly imagine. And it's going to come. In Philippians, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And in that day, there will be no doubt in anybody's mind. Nobody will have to say, now you need to bow down. They will fall as dead men. They will fall upon their knees. They will bow their knee before him because he will be revealed in all his glory as being king of kings and lord of lords. And your dad and your brother and the, your joint heir and your closest friend, he will be revealed as being all of those things. So we live our lives with the day of the Lord in mind. And listen, I don't, it, the way that he describes his coming is it's when you don't, when you least expect it, when you don't expect it. And I can tell you right now, I don't think he's coming today. So I'm all set up, right? That's about as, that's about as ready as I can be. He said, I won't know when you're coming. No, I won't expect him to come in. I'm not expecting him to be coming, so now he can come, right? You see what I'm saying? He said it's going to come at a time when you don't expect it. And I know the day of the Lord is going to come. And I know that I'm going to see him face to face. But my day of the Lord might be far short of the day of the Lord for the rest of the world. There may be a day when I have my last breath not knowing it. Wake up in the morning, get ready, get dressed, and never come home again. And that will be the day of the Lord for me. I live my life with the day of the Lord in mind. I know that there's a grave waiting for me. Is this, is this like you know depressing for everybody it shouldn't be because death where is death where is your sting what what do you what do you got give it because you give me everything you got and what am i going to get i'm going to get glory that's what i'm going to get i'm all set up i'm all ready for that we live our lives with the day of the lord in mind we live our lives knowing that there is going to come a day when he will have the ultimate say and he will have all authority will be, and his enemies will be put under his feet once and for all. Why hasn't he done that already? It's a it's a it's a function of his mercy that he hasn't already done that. Otherwise, I would not be in Christ. He could have done that forty years ago, and I would not be in Christ. He wanted me there, and there's there's his his desire right now as he has extended his hand to mankind is that all people might be saved. And nobody's beyond, the, and beyond that. I want to close with just this. Um, you know, every now and then, Paul, Paul's really got a lot to say about a lot of things, right? And thank God for that, because he's, he gives us insight into things that we probably wouldn't have even asked the question if he hadn't addressed it. But every now and then, he just simplifies it. He just makes it so simple for us. And one of those, and one of those uh, verses is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, um, verses 6 and 7. And he says, For this reason I remind you 
to fan into flame. I'm sorry, that's not it. He says, um, the goal of our instruction, this is in 2 Timothy. He says, the goal of our instruction, and he gives them three, three things. He says, this is when, when you're being discipled or when you're discipling someone else. If you want endurance in your life, if you want a faith that will last, if you want to be growing in your faith, not just surviving, but growing, not just, not just existing, but thriving and bearing fruit. There's three things that he says. The goal of our instruction is this. And the first one is love. But he says it this way, love from a pure heart. Love from a pure heart. What passes for love in the world, God help us if we don't know better than that. Because it's a fleeting feeling that leaves a lot of disappointment most of the time. But that's not what love is. Love is action. Love is a verb. Love is what you do, not what you feel. Love from a pure heart. Love that manifests it, if you're going to characterize it in any way, you have to characterize it like this. This is, that is love. That's the picture of love. Sacrifice, willingness, obedience, so that we might have the joy that was set before him, so that he would make that available to us. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. Where are you being challenged today in love? Where are you being challenged today in love? Because I guarantee you, love is challenging. It may be right in your own home. It may be right in your own home. Becky and I have been married coming up on 41 years. And I can't say that I love her more today than I did when we first got married. But I hope I can say I love her better today than I did when we first got married. I still feel that same, and every now and then I still feel that same in love feeling. You know? I mean, there are times that I just... It, but it's much more informed than it was when I was a kid. God helped that kid. He happened to make the right decision, you know? And I'm living with the consequences of it today. And the, part of those consequences is love that endures, love that lasts, love that doesn't disappoint, love that's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. Supernatural love. Love from a pure heart. And the second is a good conscience. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience. If your conscience is not clean, is not clear today, if you're carrying some kind of weight or some kind of guilt, you're not dealing with sin the way that he made it possible for you to deal with sin. Because sin is not supposed to hang on to you. You get convicted and then you repent and you're done with it. A good conscience. If you're living in something right now that you look at your life that you're ashamed of or that you, you think, um, you know, it's not supposed to be there, Jesus has the way for you. Jesus has an answer for you. And it's one day at a time, and it's trust Him, and it's take that step of obedience. Take that step of obedience, and you will see the power of God released in your life. He wants you to be free from guilt and shame does not intend for you to live in that state at all the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and and sincere faith the king james says faith unfeigned real faith and the more you walk with the lord you realize that that's the thing that get that he loves the most is when we take him at our at his word and we take steps based on that when we believe what we don't see 
There's no, there's no plan B for a walk with the Lord. That's it. The goal of our instruction, what? Tell me. It starts with an L. Love from a pure heart, a good, a good conscience, and sincere faith. You get those things going every single day in your life. You get those things in operation every single day in your life. One day at a time. One foot in front of the other. And you'll have endurance to finish this race. Like Paul said, I'm reaching forward to what lies ahead. I'm forgetting what lies behind. Because he knew where he was going. He knew the reward. The joy that was set before Jesus is the same joy that was set before Paul. And when he talks about death, it's like he can't decide which is better. It's better for them, for him to live. But it's better for him to go on and be with Jesus. That's the way he lived every single day of his life. He's just like, bring it. Bring it. Whatever this day holds, I know what's coming after it. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together this morning. We're going to sing a, sing a chorus. If you want prayer, you come. And uh, I'll ask um, maybe the elders on this side. Could you, could you pray, Rodney? Be available for prayer. You and Joyce. And... Um, Caleb on this side. Wait, Josh Rucker, can you, would you be up here available for prayer? If you need prayer this morning, something I said stirred something in your heart, or if you know God is just convicting you this morning, or if you're just concerned about something and you want somebody to pray with you or for you, you come and we'll pray.
God, keep us mindful of the moment that we have that we'll never have again. Keep us mindful, Lord, of the opportunities that we have today, the doors that are shutting, Lord, today, that we're able to do today, we won't be able to do tomorrow, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would treat every day as if we were 15 or 20 or, or 30 or however old it is, Lord. Just treat every day with that 24 hours of grace, 24 hours of potential, 24 hours of promise. 24 hours of, of fellowship with you, Lord. Oh God, that we would be like those priests, Lord, that took the step into the river and saw it part, just based on your word. And God, I pray for every single one of us as we go forth today, that you would find us to be walking in that faith, Lord Jesus, seeing things fall, seeing things open up, Lord, seeing our, our, our ability, Lord Jesus, to overcome, even when the enemy looks like they're giants, Lord that we would be content to be a grasshopper in their eyes, but not in our eyes, God. That we are the sons and daughters of the King. And that you are using us, Lord Jesus, to establish your kingdom in our homes, in the places that we work, in our neighborhoods, Lord. Send us forth from this place, Lord, lit up. Lit up by your Spirit, Lord. Energized in our hearts, Lord, to do what you put before us to do. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you and you're dismissed today.